Love. 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 Love in this world is pretty messed up. It asks for a lot and it never returns the favor. Love in my world? Well, it brings more trouble than it's worth. In my world, love has felt like sabotage. It flees into the night. It, it, it leaves at the first sign of trouble. And it never feels like I love you no matter what. Because love in my world, it leaves. And when it leaves, there's only disaster left. Oh, promise is a lot, but it doesn't deliver much. It breaks hearts. I've picked up the pieces of my broken heart one too many times. So I build walls. Love isn't worth the tears. The pain, the loneliness. The surrender. It's exhausting. Even when you try to do love right, love fails. I have made a mess out of love. What good is it? You can't help me. Why love at all? Why do I even try to love? Why sacrifice to carry the burden? Why? 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 Because there is a perfect love. Perfect love that can end the disaster. A perfect love that can heal the brokenhearted. There is a love that saved those who are dwelling in this messed up world. God tells us about it because we wouldn't recognize it if it showed up on our own doorstep. It's a love that takes its time. It's profound. It doesn't brag or badmouth. God's love is like a shield that we know will never leave us. That you can trust. Hoping. And you never, ever exhaust it. That's his kind of love. And it never fails. And while we were keeping records of wrongs, and self-seeking and being unkind, he still died for us. How can I love like that? How can I love like that? How can I love like that? Because I am loved like that. I can love well, not because of me, but because he first loved me. How good is that? I can love well because he first loved me. It's love day. It's Valentine's Day. Did anyone get a present? There's cards out the front there if anyone wants. Oh, you did. some people did get presents. Andrew, you didn't. I'm sorry, Joshua. No, you didn't get a present. And neither did Andrew and neither did I. Very slack. Actually, we should have given presents. It's a bit of love week for us. Well, it should be anyway. Last Monday was our 19th wedding anniversary. Oh, sweet. Yep. <laughs> and um, today, Valentine's Day, obviously, so we should be celebrating. So I'm expecting some flowers and, yep, yeah, you know, later on, that'd be nice to get some flowers, a nice dinner, they'd be lovely, something sweet. A puppy, actually, we bought each other a puppy. That's true, Pippin. We bought a little puppy dog, very sweet. It's love week, so on Wednesday, because it's, love week for us we took some time out and we went up to harvey range tea house to have lunch together it was very sweet it was very nice a bit cooler than than here and um, we're sitting there and all of a sudden we got approached by two people they came up 
And they said, excuse me, we're wondering if you can help us at all. And we're like, sure, like, sure, what do you need? And they said, look, we're doing an ad for the Harvey Range Tea Houses and we're wondering if you and you, you two would mind being our models for the day. So Andrew and I had to walk around the Harvey Range Tea House posing, filming, you know, and it would just be natural. They said be natural. It was very hard, especially when Andrew wanted to do blue steel. Anyway, <laughs> they heard us saying that and so we're standing there and they're filming us and we're leaning over this fence like this and we're just chatting because it wasn't, they didn't hear our voices. I mean, they could hear us, but you won't hear it. We will be on TV, just want to say. We're going to be on TV, autographs later. It's very cool. Apparently, we're going to be on TV anyway. So we're standing there, we're leaning over the fence trying to look all natural and we're talking and just nice looking out where they're filming us and we're saying stuff like this. So, do you want to do blue steel or should I? What about the Magnum? That's really good. And the guy behind the camera literally yelled at us, don't do blue steel, don't do blue steel. So we, we held off. So that was our week. We've had um, a really big week on Love Week. It's easy to say um, for someone who's in love to go, oh, yes, we celebrate. So I, I, for all of you today, I've bought you a little present and you should be getting it now. Yes, you can have one. Of course you can. Just to say happy Valentine's Day to you from me and um, all of us here. I want to tell you, no matter what your love life is like and what your love situation is like, that you are loved. You are loved by a greater love that will never let you down, that will never harm you, that will bring you good. You might be sitting there thinking, I've actually only ever been loved when I did things good, so I'm not so sure about this, Paula. I've never felt secure in love. I've only ever felt abused in love settings and relationships. I really want you to know today that an great love, an incredible great love. A greater love than you could imagine, an amazing love, loves you. And I've given you all another little present. It should be on your seats. And this is what this sermon is from. I want you to, I want you to know it. I want you to take it home. If I had more time, I would have laminated this for you. I want you to keep it and put it on your wall. This is who you are. You are loved, you are accepted, you are secure and you're significant. So I can sit down now, that's it. Actually, no, I want to share more about it. This is what I want to talk to you about today. You are accepted. First point, you are accepted. One of the big lies of the devil is that you will never be good enough to be accepted by God. Has anyone felt that way? I felt that way. Never be good enough to be accepted by God. But the truth is that you are so accepted that he has chosen you to be his friend. Now, if we pop some verses up, uh, there should be a little PowerPoint maybe. Hopefully it's in there. I pop some verses up. John 1, 12 says, I am God's child. Ephesians 1, 3 to 8. I've been chosen by God and adopted as his child. Now, Andrew shared a little bit before uh, about our journey to become parents. Um, we waited 12 long years before Joshua and Rebecca came into our lives. And during that time, it was probably the hardest time of my life to go through this period of longing and desiring to have children and just couldn't. 
And it was, it was very, very hard. And we felt God had promised us this, these beautiful children. And I cannot tell you the joy that I felt. I was um, going to put up a photo of um, me holding Joshua for the first time. Still makes me emotional. Ah, the love that I felt that moment that he was born and I got to hold him after 12 years. And I held this little, little guy, Joshua, this promised child. I think about me, as fallible as I am, as failed as I am, and the longing that I had and the love that I had for this person. And I had this love for little Josh because I knew God had promised me this, this child. I yearned for him for years before I even conceived him. I loved him before he was even a reality. So when I actually held him in my arms, wow, that was wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that feeling that, wow, here we are. I was thinking about that and thinking about how much bigger God is and how much he longs to hold us, how much he yearns for you. He says in scripture, my iPad's just closed down. I am God's child, 112, and Ephesians 1, 3 to 8. I've been chosen by God and adopted as his child. Do you know, when we don't receive his love, it's like we're walking across here and, and God is over here saying, you're my child, but you don't know me. You don't, you're not coming and I want you here. And when we discover this love and he holds you and you hold him, imagine the joy. Imagine, the, imagine God's delight in knowing that you have accepted him to be yours and he, you're his and he is yours. Imagine the joy of adoption. You know, that's, that's something else Andrew and I considered in this journey. Would we adopt a child? You know what? I still would adopt a child. Imagine the joy of, of receiving that, that little person who felt unloved and unwanted and God just sweeps you up and says, you're mine. I've got you. I've got you. You're my kid. I love you. You are accepted. That is how God sees you. You are accepted. That's good news, hey? I am accepted. Oh, look, I hear some of the words that go through my head that say, you know what? But I'm such a failure. How can God love me? I'm, I'm actually nothing. I make, I make mistakes all the time. How can God love me? No, he loves you and yearns for you and longs for you to be his child. It's good news. I am accepted. Can you say it? I am accepted. Say it like you mean it. I am accepted. That's it. He gave everything so that you could be his. Everything. Everything. Next, you are significant. I switched order than what you've got on your little sheet. I am significant. I'm, I'm an important person. Very significant. You know why? Because God loves me. That makes me significant. I am significant. 
Not only are you accepted, you are significant and accepted to be his child. Okay, this week, Andrew and I got a puppy dog. That's cool, hey? We got a puppy dog. We've adopted a dog into our lives. The children love, they've called her Pippin. Her name is Pippin. But before we had Pippin, we had another dog called Jasmine. And we bought Jasmine, Andrew and I bought Jasmine in about the year 2000. And Andrew's the kind of guy who had these high hopes and aspirations for a dog. I know this sounds bizarre, but it's just true. So Andrew had these dreams that he was going to have a dog that chased balls, that went for runs with him, that would chase sticks and go swimming and go camping with him and all this stuff. Well, Jasmine, sad to say, was a bit of a failure in all those areas. Jasmine was a timid little thing. We bought her from the pound from the RSPCA way back when. And, and she never chased balls. She did eat my shoes and my Bible once. So, she, you know, she did those things. She never, ch- she never chased sticks. She was timid of everything. I remember when we first got her, we'd walk down the street. We'd try and go for a walk. And we'd literally drag her because she was so scared of walking. It was hilarious. And so we'd end up picking her up and walking her like this, carrying her down the street. We we never gave up, though. We never gave up. We took her for a walk. We'd carry her because she'd just be dragged. The first day she actually walked on the lead by herself, like without us carrying her, the kid down the road, who'd obviously been watching us dragging this dog up and down the street, yells from his front yard, Mom! Dad! It can walk! It can walk! It can walk! It was hilarious. But, you know, the thing is, even though Jasmine was a bit of a failure as a dog, (laughs) we loved her. She was ours. We loved her. She was ours. She was a significant part of our family for many, many years. You might think, I'm a bit of a failure. I can't walk properly. I let God down all the time. I want you to know that you are still a significant part of his family. And with our failures, with our frailties, he still loves you. He still thinks you're awesome. You are accepted. You are significant. You are a valued member of the family. You're not that more valued because you get out the front and speak like this. You're not less valued because you, do, you, you don't. You're a valued member of the family of God. You are significant. He knows all about you and he still loves you. How good is that? And and you know why I know that this is true? There's a whole stack of verses there that tell you why you're significant from the scripture. And you can read through those later. I want you to do that. But I was thinking about Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, From verse 1, it talks about the heroes of the faith. And the people that it mentions in the heroes of the faith are complete failures at times in their life. King David is mentioned as a hero of the faith. Do you know King David was an adulterer and a murderer? And yet he is named as a man after God's own heart. How cool is that? You think you've stuffed up? You haven't stuffed up like that, you know? You're not an adulterer and a murderer. Although maybe you are. But no, I'm sure you're not. (laughs) But God still loved you. Still loved King David. 
hero of the faith. There's some, <laughs> there's some other ones. Let me find them. Jacob, he stole his brother's inheritance. Hero of the faith, a stealer and a liar and a cheat. And yet he's named as a hero of the faith. How good is that? You think that you've stuffed up that much? These guys have failed. Rahab is listed in the heroes of the faith. She was a prostitute. She was a nobody back in her day. And she was named as a hero of the faith. How good is that? There is nothing and nothing that can separate you from that love of God. You are significant to him. I want, to hear, I want you to hear it. You are significant. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You matter to him. The lowest of the low, the highest of the high, no matter how fancy schmancy you look, no matter how deep into despair you go, you are significant to him. I want you to know it deep in yourself. I am accepted. I am significant. I matter. And lastly, you are secure. You are secure in him. Knowing that you are accepted, knowing that you are significant means that you can be secure in it. Anyone here being, you don't have to put your hands up, but being in a relationship where you felt like, if I just say the wrong thing, I know that they're going to dump me. You're not secure. You know what I mean? You've ever felt like that? If I just step out of line just a little bit, I know that they're going to treat me badly. You know that? That's not God. You can be secure no matter what you experience. Do you know, when Andrew and I first got married, um, I, I could have felt a little bit of insecurity we went for our honeymoon up to North Queensland and our very first Valentine's Day, less than a week than we were married, he bought me a beautiful card and he brought it home to our unit and he goes, here you go, Paula. And Andrew had accidentally bought a card that said, to my darling husband. <laughs> unit where we were staying in Upper Coranda Rainforest Resort, he went, oh no, it's too late to do anything about it. So he crossed out husband <laughs> and just wrote wife over the top, hoping I wouldn't notice. And it's kind of become a running joke. But you know what? I could feel like, well, I'm not very secure in this relationship here. It's my darling husband. I'm in trouble. But the thing is, God knew you and wanted you in the family long before you even knew about him. You are significant to him. You are accepted to him. And you can be secure that you are, from Romans 8, 1 to 2, free from condemnation. How good is that? Free from condemnation. Romans 8, 31 to 39, free from condemnation. And I cannot be separated from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. 1 John 5.18, I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. How good is that? Philippians 1.6, I am confident that the good work he started in me, he will complete. He started something good, he will complete it. He put you on this earth for a reason. You are not here for a mistake. It is not a mistake. You are here 
You are planned and purposed by Him. You are significant and you can be secure in His love. It's good, good news. I want to tell you a little story and the team can come up um, if, that, if that's okay. Worship team. I want to tell you a little story. There's two guys, Marty and Morgan. Marty and Morgan were identical twins. I know, I can hear my little boy there. <laughs> At least he's listening, hey, Joshua? Good work, Josh. Marty and Morgan. Marty and Morgan were identical twins in every way except for their behaviour. No one could tell them apart by their looks, but when they were in class together at school, everyone could tell who was who. Marty was perfect, always obeyed his parents. He was kind to other people. He studied hard in school. He had high morals and values. But Morgan, he was different. He was constantly disobedient. He was mean to others. He lied. He stole. And he was always in trouble. As they grew up, Marty became more and more successful. But Morgan got deeper and deeper into trouble until one day, Morgan committed the ultimate crime and he killed someone. Morgan was sentenced to death for his crime. The day before he was to die, Marty came to visit him. The guard opened Morgan's cell and let Martin in and then he walked away. Immediately, Martin began to take off his clothes and told Morgan to do the same. Martin then put on Morgan's clothes and Morgan put on his. A few minutes later, the guard came back and let Marty out. But instead, it was Morgan who walked out of the cell, a free man. The next day, Martin was put to death for his, for his brother's crimes. An innocent man died for a criminal. Morgan was free. This is how significant you are to Jesus, to God. This is how significant you are. How accepted, how loved and how secure you can be. This is what Jesus did for us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus came to us. He took off his clothes of righteousness. We took off our clothes of filth and he took our sentence of death and we walk away free. This is how significant and how loved you are. Jesus loves you. And today you can know that you are significant to him. You are secure in him. You are loved by him and you are accepted by him. I grew up in church. You guys can start playing Jesus Loves Me. That'd be beautiful. We're going to sing Jesus Loves Me in a second. just listening to that it's so pretty I grew up in church and um, I knew about God's love my whole life and still I remember being um, a teenager and going 
how can God love me? How can God love me? I, I, I felt this need to earn his love. I felt this need that I had to try really hard and be really good. And, and I actually could never be good enough. Like, it didn't matter how tr- hard I tried. And, and I wasn't, you know, I, I definitely wasn't a perfect kid. I, I mucked up lots in my teenage years. And yet, and then, and then I'd be like, oh, God, he can't love me because look what I've done. And I felt this sense of I, I'm not significant to him. I'm not accepted. And the only way I will be is if I work harder, read my Bible more, pray harder, say the right things more, go to church more, do, you know. And I never felt like I mattered. Does that make sense? And, and here I was, this church kid who grew up feeling that I wasn't good enough to be loved by him. And I had this revelation in my late teens, I, I just had this revelation of Jesus standing before me and I just knew I was loved. I had this sense, this overwhelming, like he, he just was this perfect love and, and I was there and I just felt this incredible sense of love. I remember feeling that, again, this failure feeling when I, after um, Andrew shared on Thursday night how when we were going through the journey of infertility and how I, I miscarried, um, before we had Josh and I remember this utter agony of feeling that God mustn't love me because look what I've gone through why would God allow this God mustn't love me and we were pastors now of a church and I had this feeling of God really must hate me and quite frankly at that time I felt like I hated him too I had this real oh and one day this beautiful girl was just leading worship. And Andrew said to me, Paula, this is probably months after miscarriage, I refused to preach. I just was like, no, I just can't do it. I just, I'm, me and God are not on speaking terms. I just can't do it. And Andrew tapped me on the shoulder this Sunday night and he said, Paula, I really believe you're meant to preach today. And so I, I was like, get out of town. and I am not preaching. And Andrew said again, Paula, I think you're meant to preach today. And I just had this word come into my head. Just tell everyone that I love them. That's it. And you know what happened to me? Even though I didn't understand why I went through that pain, I went out the front and I stood there and I cried a little bit like I'm crying now. And I said, God just wants you to know that he loves you. And as I said that, I felt this overwhelming, and I love you too, Paula. It was powerful. didn't have to earn it. I could be secure in it. But no matter what I faced, whether I was going through the height of heights or the lowest of the lows, that I was secure and significant and accepted in him. And he loved me no matter what. And that is a good thing. And I wanted to sing this really old song today and invite you to declare it, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Yes, Jesus loves me. And if you don't know that he loves you, I invite you to come and experience that love. Come and kneel at the front and let one of us pray with you and accept that love that Jesus has for you. No matter what it is, he says, I love you. 
Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus, today, we thank you for your great love. We thank you that no matter of our emotions and our feelings, that that actually never changes. That is a sure and stable, firm foundation. That you love us, that you, that you think that we're awesome, that your plans for us are good. God, I just pray that no matter what we're facing, no matter how much we think we have to earn it, that today that love will penetrate our hearts once again, or again for the first time for some of us, that we will know that we are loved, we're accepted, we're significant, we are secure in you, no matter what we face, the trials, the joys, whatever it is, that stable love will never, ever, ever end. Thank you, Jesus, for your great love. You know what? I know we don't normally stand while we do appeals, but I want to invite you to stand and sing, Jesus loves me. And if you want to come forward for prayer, let's just do that together. We're going to sing it together. Jesus loves me, this I know. Let's sing it together. Jesus.